Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Have you ever seen that? Oh, no. <laughs> that meme? That's Tinkerbell getting fucked by a cockroach. No. No. I, I, have, to, I have to show it I'm to you. I'm scared. I'm really um, scared. Oh, my God. God, it's so much more emotive than I thought it, is. it was going to be. It's very romantic. It's very, yeah, this is giving, like, Julia Robertson closer. Well, let's talk about Julia Roberts. Let's talk about Julia Roberts. No transition needed. Uh, yeah, because this is like a virgin, and we are going to um, give yesterday's pop culture... Today's takes, I'm Rose Domu. And I'm Fran Torado. Anyone who has listened to this podcast knows that Julia Roberts is very important to me personally. <laughs> mm, and I as well. She is mother. Um, she also once starred in a film called Mother's Day wearing a truly <laughs> horrible orange wig. And when she's not mother, she is sister. And when she's not sister, she is auntie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I have watched <laughs> her <laughs> sometimes and said... She was so aunt for that. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she she really was, was so second cousin for that. Yeah, she she's in she's in Mother's Day and she's also in Stepmother, which I did watch Step on a plane. Mom. Stepmom. Stepmom. Yes, I did watch that on a plane recently. Very good. Um, I think I'm trying to think back and figure out what my first encounter with Julia Roberts was, and I'm pretty sure. It was my best friend's wedding. Wow. Which makes a lot of sense because my best friend's wedding is my favorite Julia Roberts film. It's my favorite romantic comedy. It is one of my favorite movies. I would say, like, top ten. Wow. Okay. I um, I'm, I honestly only seen it once. So I kind of want to maybe we'll pin that and I want to know more about my best friend's wedding. I will say... True to, like, the way I grew up, my first Julie Roberts movie was Hook. 
where she plays Tinkerbell. Oh, wait. Maybe Hook was mine, too. Really? Okay. I just don't think of Hook as no, it's not. a Julia Roberts it's movie not because really. the role is so small. And yet... Li- literally, she's and Tinkerbell. Yet she adds something to Tink that no one else could. Like, there's a Julianess that, like, is just so specific. Well, she's very sexy in it. She's... Well, okay... So here's the I mean this it's is a, a very sexualized Tinkerbell. You I would okay, so I would actually wager this is like very theoretical just about Julia roles in general. I would actually say that a Julia role, whether it's Tinkerbell, my best friend's wedding, Aaron Brockovich, whatever, is a little less sexy and a little more gorgeous. Like she has an innocent not innocent. She has a beauty that is quote unquote family friendly or like she has a beauty that I think fits into so many different narratives and she's able to it's give It's very accessible. Yes, she's able to give sex appeal in a way that, you know, men watching will be like, "Oh my gosh, she's so hot." And then people, you know, people that aren't are guys jerking off to Julia Roberts. Well, I think that's my point. It's like she doesn't give sex, I think. I think she gives romance. She's immediately right. romantic with right, everything. Right, right. And it's like you wouldn't think of Tinkerbell as a role that would be romantic. And of course, the way they wrote it and also who they put in it, it's like she's going to bring the love element, like the gorgeous love infatuation. Like, yeah, I don't know. But okay, Hook, My Best Friend's Wedding. What did you latch on to when you first watched either of those with Julia? Well, I do remember thinking, well, I I think this is a weird thing about Hook in general, is that I... um, Like the scene where Robin Williams... um, goes, walks the plank, and the mermaids rescue him and breathe into his mouth. That's sexy. I found that very erotic as a child. So erotic. And for some reason, that's also tied into Julia Roberts when Tinkerbell becomes big and kisses um, Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, I also found that weirdly hot as a child. As I don't a child, know why. It, as a child, it was wish fulfillment because, like, I, I for sure maybe, like, Peter Pan I loved growing, I mean, it's so, it's like, you know, obviously problematic, but, like, as a kid, I loved the cartoon Peter Pan and, like, I, I, as a kid who was kind of love crazy, like, like, the idea of romancing Tinkerbell, like, that was, like, wish fulfillment, I think, even as a kid. So, Maybe we can go into my best friend's wedding. I maybe you can induct me into this movie. So okay, here's let me give a sort of um, a brief synopsis of my best friend's wedding. Um, so my best friend's wedding is a 1997 romantic comedy film. It's about Julia Roberts plays a food critic who I forgot that she. It's very important to the plot. Uh, not really. Uh, it's very important to her character. So she plays a food critic who has this old friend from college, and they made a pact that if they reach some arbitrary age, which now in my mid-30s, looking back on it, is like so young. It's like 29 or 30 years old. If they got that old and never got married, they would marry each other. Mm. And so Julia Roberts, when she gets this call from her old friend, is like, oh, he— He's, like, remembering the bet and, like, there's still something between us. But actually what he has to tell her is that he is getting married to a, like, 22-year-old who is played by Cameron Diaz. Mm-hmm. One of her best roles, in my opinion. I and so too, I Julia think. Roberts decides that that's her man and she's going to go break up their wedding. And she, spoiler alert, kind of does and then kind of doesn't. They do still get married. But I think... This is a a radical rom-com, especially for the time, in Mm. several ways. Julia Roberts' character is 
very obviously the villain of this story. She mm-hmm. is a bad person. She does bad things all throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. She tries to get Dermot Mulroney fired from his job so that uh, – or, or she tries to, like, come bet- – so uh, Cameron Diaz's parents' dad is, like, really rich and has offered um, the Dermot Mulroney a job. And, like, Julia Roberts tries to, like, m- just, like, get between them. And she very – she, like, is the villain. She goes into this with the purpose of breaking up their marriage. And, like, yes, she is the protagonist of the film, yeah. but she's not a good person. And I think this movie makes that very clear. and. She doesn't get a ha- well. She doesn't get the traditional rom com happy mm-hmm. ending that we are familiar with, because I think in a softer movie, the the romantic lead would break up with his girlfriend, who would be like mm. a, a shrew mm. or like some kind of horrible person. Right. But Cameron is genuinely like you root for her. You, you want root you for- want oh. her to yeah. Oh yeah, she is like. She is so magnetic and um, so funny and so vulnerable and beautiful. And you understand why this guy has fallen in love with her. And you also understand why him and Julia would never work out. Yeah. And I think, you know, Julia is kind of a perfect anti-hero. Like, Julia coming in saying, like, it's me, hi, I'm the problem. But, like, also, like, um... And when we're talking about, like, the Julia cinematic universe and the the roles she adopts, like, she injects this kind of permeable likability. And I obviously hate that term. But, like, in in this era of rom-coms, right, like, film execs, like, are like, women need to be likable. Like, we need likable characters, likable, blah, blah, blah. And, like, using the word, like, likability as critique for, like, a character is so, like, it actually has... It just, like, doesn't make sense as a critique and usually is, like, thinly veiled misogyny or, like, whatever. But Julia does embody this, like, quintessential likability so that even when she's doing the most deplorable things, you can't help but, like, love her character. Yes. Well, what I think she has is, and this I really think is the thesis of this episode, is that Julia Roberts is one of our last movie stars. Absolutely. And that that is what she has. It's it's not just likability. It's, she has star quality. Yeah. Julia Roberts is from an era of movie stars that does not exist anymore. We don't have them. Next to Angelina Jolie and, you know, all those classic A-listers. And there is a reason, not to get too ahead of ourselves, why her movie Ticket to Paradise with George Clooney, which, whatever you want to say about it, was a huge box office success purely because of the the star quality of the leads. What what Julia Roberts has, going back to our Drag Race conversation from earlier, is charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Actually say that. She is the star package, and that's why something like My Best Friend's Wedding, where I think if she had been played by a different actress who didn't have that real-world connotation of being a movie star, of being America's sweetheart, people would have been against her and would have seen the way the movie ends as her, like, getting her comeuppance, rather than the ending actually being incredibly sweet and pretty radical for the time, because the way the movie ends is that, you know, this man that she's been trying to get marries this woman, and she is left alone 
at the reception, and her gay best friend comes and dances with her. And it's like this very beautiful, like, um, instance of you know, like a chosen family moment <laughs> in a straight ass '90s rom com. Yeah, and her as a movie star. It's like so. What you're basically saying is like if the kind of Hollywood actress pipeline was Drag Race. This current generation of stars, like the Emma Roberts, so to speak, are giving Marsha Mar- Marsh. I don't know that Emma Roberts is a good <laughs> one to no, one. No, I'm saying Emma Emma Roberts is giving Marsha Marsha Marsha, and Julia's giving mistress. <laughs> Julia's giving mistress. Okay? I would not. I would not <laughs> put it in those. I'm terms. being. I'm being. Fun. <laughs> cool. Anyways, um, I uh, yeah, no, I I tend to agree with you. I think there's a there's a je ne sais quoi about like what Julia and people like Julia can do that just like can't be done as much anymore. Well, because you think about a lot of her early roles and, like, even though she became known as a rom-com queen, her early roles were very sort of non-traditional and were the things that maybe would lead to an actress usually getting pigeonholed Mm -hmm. because, like, her first movie, if you look at her filmography... What is it? Her first... Well, I mean, not her first movie, but, like... Her big break, one of her One of her big break performances was Pretty Woman, in which she played... A hooker. Yeah, and and I think in that in that same vein, like the the women that Julia tends to play are women that are to even though she's drop dead gorgeous, like that must be said, women who are off the beaten path, women who are emotionally complex, women who will not be a hundred percent beholden to their you know romantic um, you know co lead or whatever. Like she has this autonomy, this gumption, I think, um, and this kind of like. You know, laughy, sexy resilience. Well, I mean, not even sexy, as I well, said. Well, the laugh is the laugh. iconic. We the smile is iconic. <laughs> you know what I think the thing with Julia is, is that something that she does, which I think we don't like in other actors, which is that she cannot disappear into a role. Hmm. You always That's know. That's so true. You always know that you are watching Julia Roberts, but with where with. With other actors, that would be a negative. With her, it's additive. Yeah. Because you are so aware of who she is, and she is such a magnanimous, like, um, vivacious, vibrant presence, IRL, that she brings that to every role she plays, and she, like, fills it up. So even though she's not doing some, like, fucking method work where she's disappearing into a role and, like, making herself look ugly— you wouldn't want her to do that no. because that ineffable Julia Roberts thing that she brings is why we love her right. and why we want to watch it over and over again. Her playing different versions of the same woman, which is just herself, that's what makes her a star. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to talk about the Oceans franchise, but it is why in Oceans, I think, 12 or whatever, it's so genius that Julia Roberts ends up. Did you see Oceans 12? There, uh, yeah, I there's this so. scene where she does she plays, you know, just a woman. She plays, you know, just a character in this franchise. And, and there is a scene where she pretends to be Julia Roberts. Right. And that I do vaguely remember and, that. And the fact that she can't disappear into a role makes that element of the plot so doubly, triply funny. Like and it's like meta commentary. Yes, it's so I thought it was so good, but I also haven't watched Oceans in a really long time, so I don't know how I would think about it now. Well but. it's also why she was kind of the only person who could play her role in Notting Hill. Yeah. Um be- I've never seen. 
Okay, Tell so me. I rewatched Notting Hill recently for the first time since when I originally saw it, um, which was like when it first came out, and it's not a good movie. Mm. And I <laughs> and I, you used to you used to love it, right? No, I did not. Oh, I thought you had told me to watch no. it before. And so, so I like I really love Richard Curtis, who is the writer director behind. Four Weddings and a Funeral and, like, a lot of Hugh Hugh Grant's films. Um, Notting Hill, I don't think, is a very good movie, having rewatched it recently. But Notting Hill is about this bumbling English guy played by Hugh Grant also doing the like Hugh Grant like is the male Julia Roberts Mm -hmm. you know he plays a version of himself in all these movies you think okay okay continue so he is this like bumbling English guy who owns a travel bookstore which is a thing that used to exist when you could not only own a physical bookstore but one that only sold one particular (laughs) type of books and it wasn't like YA fantasy romance um and one day, an erstwhile movie star, played by Julia Roberts, stumbles into the bookstore. They, well, actually, they stumble into each other. He pours coffee over her, takes her back to his apartment, and they fuck, like, immediately. And mm. then have this little love affair. And the only reason that movie works is because it's Julia Roberts. And you're like, oh, I believe that, yeah. this, is a, that this is the biggest movie star in the world. Because she's being played by the biggest movie star in the world. Well, Julia can push emotional stakes in any movie, right? It's, you know, it's so... I maybe haven't watched enough Hugh Grant movies. I really feel like George Clooney is, like, the male Julia Roberts. Because I think Hugh Grant gives a little more, like, kind of, like, mumblecore, kind of Emma Thompson, kind of, like... I don't know. I mean, no, yeah, but you're I'm not thinking, you're one not to thinking about the, it's not because George Clooney was a TV star on ER. Oh, that's true. Who then really the biggest movies he ever made were the Oceans movies, and those were like his big crossover moment. Hugh Grant was a, the king of rom coms, yeah. and he played the same version of every character yeah, in all these rom coms, and he ruled the 90s in the same way that Julia Roberts did, and that's why, in a lot of ways, them coming together in Notting Hill was the perfect marriage of the thing he did, which was star in all of these British romantic comedies that were, like, very smart, um, very quick, uh, like, a little sad. Um, and then the thing that she did, which was be the big Hollywood megastar, you know, like, with the iconic head of hair and smile and laugh. And it was, like... On paper, the perfect marriage of those things and the movie does work because of them. It's just not a very good movie and not a very good performance of hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also because she's not playing exactly the kind of actress she was. She's yeah. playing like a, a serious actress rather than Julia Roberts. Mm, it's like not as maybe complex or maybe it's just not as Julia or something. There's also a scene where there's she goes to dinner with him and his friends and they're sitting around the ta- a table all talking about why they deserve the last brownie and the way that they win the game is like they say how awful their life is and 
like they all tell their like sob stories. Um, Hugh Grant's sister, who um, uses a wheelchair, like uh, says something about how she like can't have a baby or something, and then it comes around to Julie Roberts. She's like, "Well, I got all you gagged because I'm famous and like my ex boyfriends sell our stories to the tabloids." Blah blah blah, and it's like, oh. No, babe. You're, this is you actually still have a pretty nice life, and it is kind of funny because they're all like are like, uh, okay, whatever. It's not that bad. <laughs> From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know, it's it, like when you think about like Julia Rolls in those like this era of rom-coms, forget, forgive me, I don't actually know all of the chronology, but like it's kind of like Aaron Brockovich, like to me stands out in a sea of Julia Rolls because it is romantic, it is part rom-com, but it's a legal drama wherein she is the beating heart and like primary character, you know, like she yeah. push. I mean that Aaron Brockovich is probably top 10 for me. Like, I've only seen it once. What I will say from what I remember is that I actually think that Julia's character, well, I mean, uh, obviously Aaron Brockovich was a real person, but the way Julia plays her is very similar to Vivian, the character she played in Pretty Woman, oh, which is this sort of, you know, like down on her luck. Yep. Um, can't you know, get any, gr- can't get anything right. Can't get any luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woman who like is used to being seen only as a sexual object. Mm. Obviously, and like it's in a much more like obvious way in Pretty Woman because she's playing a sex worker. But it is something that she like as her career progressed didn't do a lot, which was play like mm. one of the people. Yeah, and in the kind of I guess sexiness of Julia Roberts that we're talking about in something like Aaron Brockovich or Pretty Woman. Her sexiness is like, I hate using this word because it sounds so loaded, but it's like non-threatening. Does that even make sense? No, I get what you mean. Because even in 
so this the because like the, she's not sexy in that blonde bob, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, because there's the scene in Pretty and listen, Pretty Woman is a perfect. Movie. I lo- I love Pretty Woman so much. <laughs> the first time I ever um went out um in women's clothing, I won't say like drag because like yeah. that's not what it was. No. Um, the first time I was uh, for Halloween, my freshman year of college. I was Julie Robertson, Pretty Woman, and that nasty in, Bob in the, in the blonde wig, um, nasty shaken guy, and like that's because to me that was like she was giving the, the pinna- TikTok that girls was like in season the 15. pinnacle of feminine of like feminine beauty yeah. to me was yeah. that look, even though she looks so much better when she takes the wig off. But that scene where she goes to the hotel with Richard Gere and. She like gives him a blowjob while she's wearing that wig. It's like she's not sexy, and I actually Wait, think does she give him a blowy in that wig? Yeah, th- she like literally puts a pillow down on the floor oh, and like sits at his knees. I forgot about that. And like I think that's the point of the movie is she's not sexy. They're yeah. trying to communicate as much as possible that this is someone who shouldn't be a sex worker because like I mean it's obviously problematic because she's like quote unquote better than that. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of like. Uh, like it was the nineties. It w- yes, it was literally nineteen ninety. So it was made in the eighties. But it's pretty transgressive mm-hmm. for a romantic comedy mm-hmm. of that time uh, to have the leading lady be, excuse me, to have the leading lady be a sex worker. Mm-hmm. But then the one scene that I do think is actually sexy in that movie is when she, um, Richard Gere has gone down to the bar in the hotel to play the piano and Julie Roberts comes down in a bathrobe and the Richard Gere asks all the guys who work at the hotel to leave the room and he lifts her up onto the piano and like opens the robe and like puts his head in her stomach and like presses her down onto the, the piano sex and scenes it's are so, so it's so hot so that's such a good scene Ugh. I'm it's a, so erotic it's erotic yeah and and I God, I can't believe you've only seen Aaron Brockovich once. I f- honestly feel like we could do a whole episode on Aaron, but uh, I know we would have to bring Hunter Harris. I back. was just about to say, like we we. I wish we could, you know, dial pull out our Hunter Harris phone, like a la like Powerpuff Girls, like boop, boop, yeah, boop, Hunter, like, get here right now, get here right now, because Hunter uh, Hunter is you know a, a noted scholar of Aaron Brockovichology. Um, but that movie is, I think, encapsulates. Everything that Aaron, Aaron, everything that Julie, see, she disappeared into the she disappeared into the role. Um, no, everything that you know Julia does best in in a movie, which is like have this insurmountable gumption and 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 create this engine with her face alone um, through the and, six her, of the film. and her hair, yes, and her hair. It, oh, of course, Julia. <laughs> the story me for of not Julia Roberts it. is the story of hair. <laughs> <laughs> and her boobs, as Phoebe. as Phoebe just chimed in to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, oh, God, that movie, Rose, we have to rewatch because it is a stunning film, amazingly written, great legal drama. Um, have you ever, have you ever in your own life had an Aaron Brockovich moment where you were fighting some sort of bizarre legal drama, any sort of like... Did you ever, like, go to get into housing law? You know, were you ever squatting? Did you ever have to, you know, in your name change or something like that? I was thinking about changing my name this no, year, but I don't want to do any. No, changing my name was actually, like, a very smooth process for oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah, it Damn. was really easy. It, it, it does involve a lot of bureaucracy, but, <gasps> like, it's... Actually, the closest I came was when I went to get my name changed. So there is a requirement that you are supposed to publish 
your name change in a newspaper. And actually, like, all, this is this is some tea. All the dolls in New York do it in the Irish Times because mm-hmm. it's, like, the cheapest way you can do it. So it's just funny for me to think that there's this, like, small Irish newspaper that literally only exists so trans people can <laughs> publish their, their, like, name changes. And it's just, like, full of dead names. Oh, um, my God. But so when, I, when I went to um, City Court to do this... What I said to the judge was I asked to have that requirement waived because Mm. at the time I was still a journalist. And what I said was, look, you know, like my name is out online and is connected with my dead name. So like there kind of already exists this public record. And also if something were to be published, it might have like harmful consequences for me just because I am, like, uh, on a very minor scale, like, a public figure or whatever. And did they... And the judge did waive the requirement. That's so I didn't, I didn't have to get it published. So I did kind of have an Aaron Brockovich moment. I love. Um, I was mulling, actually, on my own question. And I, I can't... I'll just... I'll be extremely vague. Because you know the tea, but I, I can't actually, like, fully talk about it. I somewhat recently... Um, got a service done, <laughs> and this oh. <laughs> I very recently um went to go do something, um who was highly recommended for, for, get a service done by from a someone who came recommended by a lot of my friends, and this service was um botched for lack of a better word, <sighs> and um it was it was very very difficult to go through because i actually you know i don't believe in in our legal system and i hate bureaucracy and i also think that like suing people is like white people behavior and so i just had to like go to this girl and be like hey um what happened is not okay and these are all the ramifications that it now has on my life months out from this experience and i don't believe in suing people but i do believe in justice and I need X, Y, and Z paid for. And I got $5,000. You did? I got $5,000, Oh, my baby. God. I didn't know that. Yes, I did. I got $5,000. And I, let me tell you, I had to send some email-length texts in order to get it. But I got it. And um, I'm very <laughs> proud of it. Through Venmo? Um, no, through Zelle. And so there, was a, there was a written agreement. You know, there was some kind of, you know, there was some kind of Aaron Brockovichian okay, <laughs> elements. Wow. I felt very proud of myself, though. And I, also, and I also did it in a way that was not cruel, right? Like, I, I, I said to this person, I was like, hey, like, I don't wish ill on you. I'm not trying to, like, malign your business. Like, I, you know, I just want, like to be well and I want my stuff taken care of. So this is what it's going to cost. Here is, and I literally sent the invoice of all of the things that I needed to pay for in order to fix what had happened. Um, yeah. Wow, good for you. Thank the you. Only pr- the only difference between our stories and Aaron Brockovich is that she was doing this to help other people and we were doing it to help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that was the beauty. It's such a, it's a, a very satisfying ending. I won't spoil it if you've never seen Aaron Brockovich, but if you have never seen Aaron Brockovich... It's a very old movie. You can spoil it. No, I'm, I, well, you can probably guess that she wins in the end. But like, I, come on, that movie is Perfect. We have to rewatch Rose. It's and it so also good. is tied to the Real Housewives franchise because <laughs> Erica Girardi's husband is the Aaron Brockovich lawyer. Yes. Oh my fucking god, I always forget that. Hold up. 
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Movies that are not very good. I rewatched. You pray love recently? Girl. <laughs> Have you when was the last time you watched that movie? I watched it once, like very long after in it theaters? came out. Oh, no. Okay. I watched um, it. In I theaters. did not see it in theaters. I was not part of the Eat Pray Love craze. I was. The only thing I remember about it is that the food looked very good. I was Basic Mama. So I read the book when it came out. Like I studied Italian diva. Like I went to Italy and I sat in the exact booth that Julia Roberts sits in in the best pizza place oh in God, Naples like and I took a picture of me laughing like Julia Roberts oh I shit God. you not it's probably still on my Facebook um I loved the Epre Lovazans. The movie, you know, was like Ryan Murphy, but like I forgot that Viola Davis is in that movie. Yeah. I totally forgot what the fuck. And this you is You know also... what that movie gave us is um Dog Days Are Over by Florence the Machine was used in the trailer and that is kind of the reason why Florence blew up in the way she did. What? Yeah. Really? Wow. I actually didn't know that. And this was also 2010, which was the year of James Franco. And James Franco was in that movie, and God, that movie just was not very good. But I do, that said, I do want to watch, I do want Ryan Murphy to direct more films. (laughs) Ryan Murphy doesn't need to be doing anything else, (laughs) anything more than what he's already doing. No, I think he should do films instead of TV, because I think that a contained story is his strong suit. I think, like, you know, series, like, they always get away from him, because he's usually not even, like, working across them. Um, Have you ever, you pray loved? What was your Bali? Was it Berlin? <laughs> have I ever eat, pray, loved? Slash, what it that really just means is, like, have you ever, yeah, like, I mean, s- I... like flown internationally uh, uh, with a kind of um, vague, existential slash romantic-driven, like, life um, pivot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I would say that, you know, like, um, the first summer I spent in Berlin was... I knew it! I knew was, it! I knew but it! But it was, it was more of a, um, 
It was a snort dance fuck. That yes. was my <laughs> version of Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. Mine, okay, I, I studied abroad in London, and I'm very sorry for that sentence. Um, I And that was probably my Eat, Pray, Love. But mine was not, wait, what did you say? Snort? Snort, dance, fuck. Snort, dance, fuck. Yeah, mine was not snort, dance, fuck. It was more like eat, eat. Social anxiety, like, like but eat, you eat, went, eat. but you went for an academic purpose, so I don't actually think that fulfills the requirement. Well, an eat, pray, love is like you're abandoning your life to do something that is purely for pleasure. So let me embellish. I did abandon my life. I was uh, at a university at Indiana that I hated. I had chased my boyfriend there, and I, you know, hated studying there. I wanted to get out as soon as humanly possible and not spend any more time in Indiana. I was sick of most of my friends. I was sick of the curriculum. And I was like, I had to unenroll from my like university in order to take this like research class at University College London that wasn't even like, you know, endorsed by like my my school. And so I really did go out of my way to like have like a kind of find myself moment. And this was also very important probably for you as well, it's pre-iPhone. So there's a way more, like, <laughs> I mean, this is probably, I mean, I don't know if this was for you because of the drugs, but, like, there's so much more um, stuff going on inside of you when you don't have an iPhone. Like, you, there's so much more, inner, you have so much more of an inner life. You're thinking so much more about yourself and your interiority. I mean, when I was doing uh, the most drugs, I still had an iPhone. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. So, but uh, to that effect, when I did study abroad in London, I was traveling every single weekend by myself. So I went to Italy by myself. I went to France by myself. I went to all these different countries, book festivals, a Robin concert, like all this different stuff, searching 100% on my own for like the meaning of life, you know? Like I was looking, I wasn't even looking for love. I was looking for for meaning out of my life, which is like, even though this E Pray Love is not very good, it is why E Pray Love was like such a mega thing is because it was able to tap into this like white womanhood that I unfortunately was very adjacent to um where and it's like all these there's a whole class was this of, back when you had silver hair yes of co- no 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 actually this was pre-silver hair but I had self-dyed a strip of my bangs with bleach and so and I have black hair so it was like straw yellow okay (laughs) yeah so but that i did have a straw yellow strip in a very long rihanna-esque bang because it was inspired by rihanna um and her hair at the time um but yeah that was my that was my eat pray love okay so if you were gonna do an eat pray love now Mm -hmm. what would it be where would you go Ooh, very good question um my instinct is maybe to say mexico I would love to do a Mexico tour because I haven't properly explored a lot of different cities throughout Mexico that all of my friends say are like cultural hotspots and nightlife hotspots that I'm like always, you know, been adjacent to have like followed artists and creators on Instagram that, uh, you know, make stuff there. I feel like I have another one that maybe will come to me. What would what would you say? Well, so I actually was thinking of going to Italy. I, mm. I like, was literally looking into booking a trip to Italy next month. Mm. Um, wow. Because I haven't—I need to get off this continent. International. I have not, I have not traveled internationally since pre-COVID. Mm. Um, and I've never been to Italy. I've spent a lot of time in Europe, and I and have almost gone to Italy a couple times. But I always said I didn't want to go just for a couple days. I really wanted to do, like, a big— Italy trip. But I actually think my Eat, Pray, Love is 
also a Mamma Mia moment. I need to go to Greece. <laughs> oh, Greece would be really good. Oh, I could see that for you. Like, I just want to go um, and forget all my responsibilities, and I just want to, like, go travel and eat and fuck and see ruins and art and go swimming in the Aegean Sea and, like, you know... Whatever. You know, I've never been to Berlin. Maybe maybe I should maybe Berlin is my E pray love. Yeah, but okay, this is Would the I thi- die? Will I is, die? This if is I the go- thing is why I don't think that can be an E pray love for <clears throat> you is because you will still find a way to turn that into an approximation of your life here. Yeah. You will still I'll find be, friends. You will find friends, you will network, yeah. You I will. will check your email, you will hu- I'll see all you these drag hustle. I'll be there in probably the same week that a bunch of drag friends are there. Yeah. I I think for you to do a true E pray love, you need to go somewhere where you don't know anyone. One and just figure it out. Yeah, I agree. And you should throw your iPhone into the ocean. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> because then how would I go on TikTok and find, you know, like the, the best place to go for dinner or whatever? Um. Okay, so zooming out of this Julia convo, like, what is, what is Julia now? Like, I feel like she's among these celebrities that are in press junkets being like, there are no more stars anymore. Like when Jennifer Aniston said in that Allure interview, she's like, well, that's so sad. There are It's true. There, but, and like I said before, that's the reason why Ticket to Paradise, which we both saw, wasn't very good, but still yeah. was a huge commercial hit because those are the last movie stars. Right. Like, can you name one, like a new-ish celebrity who is a movie star? No, you can't. Well, I just don't think... I mean, I I think there are tons of um, new celebrities that are, yes, but bonafide. A cele- but a celebrity is different than a movie star. I do think that there are people that come into this generation of movies, and yeah, I would absolutely say they are movie stars, but they're not going to be movie stars like Julie Roberts ever again. And I think that that's part of, like... I think it's, like, I personally, like, mourn this era of movie stars, but also know that, like, pop culture writ large, especially in movies, is always shifting into something that kind of, it can reference the past, but it's never going to go backwards. And so what I'm kind of thinking about, and maybe you can, like, noodle on it with me, is, like, if we can never get Julia Roberts again, because we can't, like, what, who are the new people that inhabit the same um, spaces as Julia that make us feel the way Julia makes us feel on screen. Like, I'm trying to think of, like... Well, it's also about a business thing because the thing yeah. about a movie star is that, like, why they exist and why they they don't exist anymore is a movie star is someone who can sell a, mu- a movie purely by being in it. That's why Ticket to Paradise was mm. such a huge success. Not mm. because it had, like, an interesting premise or a good trailer or anything. It was... Julia Roberts was in it. George and Clooney was in it. Period. So people were buying tickets. That's it. So that's why I think, like, the closest thing we have to a movie star now who's, like, currently making movies would be someone like The Rock. I don't know. The not, Rock. Interesting. Not that's a good even, line. like, if you think about, like, what are the biggest movies now? Marvel movies. Yeah. None of the people in them are movie stars. No. You are not, like, what movies outside of Thor is... Chris Hemsworth making or Paul Rudd. They are not selling movies on their name alone. They are part of a machine where actually them as people are secondary to the characters they're playing. Like, I would argue that the famous person is not Chris Hemsworth. It's Thor. And he is part of a 
machine. Mm. Even someone like Chris Evans, who, like, yes, has done things like Knives Out, like, he is famous because of his proximity to the franchises he stars in. Hmm. I, yeah, I think The Rock, I think The Rock and, like, the, this, like, Marvel Universe thing is, like, totally accurate. I also think that maybe in a different version of this idea, I think part of the stars that could maybe do something that Julia does are the ones that are, like, as not online as possible. And I think that, honestly, you know, this is stupid, but, like, Timothy Chalamet or, like, or like Florence Welch, Florence Welch, Florence Pugh, or, like, I mean, now that she's had the Don't Worry Darling junket, it's, like, the, the mysticism is gone now, but, like, Florence Pugh could have been that girl, you know? Like, there are people just that are classically, like, they're, maybe what I'm trying to say, because I don't really know if what I'm saying is accurate, but it's, like, there's a kind of attention to acting in everything they do and a focus on the acting that, you know, protects them because they're not on social that much. And so we're able to bring our opinion of how much we love this celebrity like a Timothy. It's like, I'm going to go see a Timothy movie no matter what. That's not necessarily true. But there are a lot of people where that is true for them. That's kind of maybe it. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I do think someone like Timothy is the closest thing we have to a contemporary movie star. But I do think you're right in that social media um, keeps us from being able to abstract the person from the persona Mm. and or or maybe there is a lack i mean it's funny because we were talking about this in our episode with harry neff there is a lack of mystery around Mm -hmm. these celebrities and i think that's why we don't have the movie star of it all because julia in her heyday felt larger than life Mm. In a way that celebrities simply aren't now. and But even though Julia was a huge tabloid figure, mm. but her she only existed to us either in the films we were seeing. Or in the tabloids. On the red carpets, on the cover of magazines, or in the tabloids where we were getting the most sensationalized parts of her personal life. Like... Alo Vera, which mm-hmm. I think I've told you about no? on the podcast before. Okay, so this is, I mean, like very juicy um celebrity celebrity tabloid gossip. So Julia Roberts um fell in love with this guy who was married. I think he was maybe like a director, like worked on a film or something that she worked on, and he was married to this woman named Vera. And Vera would not divorce him. And so Julia Roberts went out in public wearing a T-shirt that she had made herself on which she wrote aloe—she wrote aloe vera, but it was like she was saying aloe vera, like like vera was a low person or— Oh, my God. It was just like—it was like stupid, but it was also just like— Oh, my God. Like, Julia Roberts is kind of a mean person. Oh, yeah. There actually are several stories about her having, like, run-ins with the paparazzi where she has told them off. And, like— Which we won't entertain. Yeah. I mean, that's not being—that's not being mean. Like, I'm sure— Protecting yourself. I'm sure, like, being Julia Roberts comes with so much and the way she's hounded by the press and has been for almost her entire adult life. Like, we'll never be able to understand that. But what I'm saying is that— Julia Roberts is not someone who ever gave unfiltered access to her life mm-hmm. in the way that celebrities kind of have to do now. And so because of that, I think that turned her into a bigger and more mysterious and more magnetic figure that was like 
so separate from us in a Mm -hmm. way that celebrities now, like, think they need to be super connected to their fans, and maybe they do. But, you know, Timothy Chalamet, who is, I I do think you're right, like, the closest thing we have currently to... And also Zendaya, honestly. And and Zendaya, but, like, they still are... They have social media. Yeah, they're and very on- – they're maybe not very online, but – because they're definitely – I think Zendaya's elusive. Timothy's elusive, but they're definitely online. They're definitely online. I mean, and their social media, like, truly only exists as a way to promote their projects. Yep. But there's still something where, like, you you can reply to one of Timothy's Instagram stories. He's never going to see it. No. But you can still do it. And yep, like you can engage. Julia Roberts. Would never. You could never. You can't engage you, with her. You can't, you can't engage with her. It would ruin that, it. That is, that is it. It's you. I mean, it's not even that it would ruin it. It's like you. It's not possible. Yeah. It's not. It never has been. It never will be. You, were, you will. The closest you could ever come to Julia Roberts is like. If you went to the premiere of one of her movies and stood on the side of a barricade and watched her and walk by. And screamed at her. And screamed at her. That's the, closest, that's the closest you would ever get. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet, I've hugged him twice. <laughs> okay? Say that. You always say that. <laughs> I do. Because um, I have. And I will. And I will. Again. Continue. <laughs> I will get a third hug in. I will get a third and hug. And when it happens, I'll whisper in his ear, this is the third time we've hugged. <laughs> Slide into our DMs and tell us what your favorite Julia Roberts role movie is. Um, Who's your favorite movie star? Do you think there are contemporary movie stars? We want to hear your opinions. Um, Let us know at Like a Virgin for 2069. Please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. My name's Rose Damu. You can find me anywhere online at Rose Damu. And my name is Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishko anywhere you like. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producers, Phoebe Unter, with support from Lindsay Hoffman and Nikki Etor. Until next week, au revoir, virgins. Me. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. 
Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.